Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this special edition of the End Time Tribune. Tonight we are going to be discussing the sealed scroll as mentioned in Isaiah, the 29th chapter. Before we roll, I suggest you might want to break that open and take a read of it as we do our normal introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a whole lot going on with the sealed scroll that is detrimental for your edification. It's time for you to start being taught these things, that the sealed scroll mentioned in the Bible is not only in the New Testament, not only in the Old Testament, multiple times. Put your trades into the upright positions. Fasten your seatbelts. Let's get this show on the road. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
And I saw in the right hand of him that sitteth on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven steels. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? No man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the most important pieces of scripture that we have in the book of Revelation. But most people let it set and let it die right there, never knowing as to why these things are. I want you to consider this first and foremost. You know, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you this. I know that it is huge nowadays, this, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. It's mainly associated with the uh, Hebrew Roots Movement, them coming forward and saying that there is no Holy Spirit. And of course, the very first chapter of Revelation puts the nail in that coffin. Oh, yes, there is. And not only that, I wonder why they won't tell you this. The seals that are upon this scroll is obviously not sealed by God the Father. It has seven seals. Is that the first time you ever noticed that? That a royal seal on any document from any king would only have one seal on each document. This has seven because you're supposed to realize that that is why, of course, the sevenfold spirit in the very first chapter of Revelation gives you an introduction, gives you a greeting. You're supposed to know this. You're also supposed to know that there's going to be great consternation concerning what that scroll says. The event horizon for this very thing is, of course, encoded into the Hebrew Bible source code. That is the Masoretic Old Testament coupled with the Delich New Testament. It's there that you realize when you read these things in Hebrew, there's only two chapters in the Bible that has sealed and scroll within them. The first and foremost being Isaiah chapter 29. And it is therein you learn that the great consternation that's going to come about the leaders, the prophets of the church, act not altogether traditional, shall we say. 
So with that in mind, we're going to get Brian's opening comments. Uh, Brian is very passionate about this particular subject we're going to cover. Just letting you know that we've covered it before. Couldn't see that far yet. You need to realize and understand that this is time-sensitive material. These things are going to happen in a perfect window of opportunity, the breaking of these seals. With that in mind, Brian, uh, why don't you uh, give us your opening comments? And you know what? You got the first shot at this, as a matter of fact. Um, we could even read this entire chapter. Uh, would be no skin uh, off my teeth, that's for sure. But uh, I had not had a chance because, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I did not receive confirmation from Brian one way or the other. I was expecting him to contact me. As soon as he got up, he did not. So two minutes before the show, he's like, where's the show? So we made it last minute, so I don't even have a break made yet. But um, Brian, uh, jump in here, and, and, and let's discuss this. Let's get your opening uh, comments, and then I will read the text in its 24 verses uh, unless you would like to do so. Uh, but Bry, your thoughts on this subject? Well, this is a uh, – we're going to be going kind of deep here with this subject uh, – Ah, one moment here for a second. I gotta close this door. Uh, fill in for a second. <laughs> Closing a door. Ah, yes, that's also mentioned in the Book of Revelation, isn't it? An open door. Narrow is the gate, shall we say? You know, I've always wondered why the Scripture says that in the end time. Some would shine like the firmament. I wonder what he meant by that. People today, they run around and do all kinds of crazy things. When you speak to psychologists, that's exactly how they describe what goes on in some of these uh, churches today. Psychotic behavior. So… I just want to remind everybody one more time that uh, Brian's very passionate about this subject uh, because he's been very close to it. So if he gets a little bit emotional, and if I do, expect it. We mean you no harm. We only mean your edification. Brian? <coughs> Well, I'm glad you pointed that out first. And I mean, here is the um, first and foremost thing I think that needs to come to the uh, forefront here. And in light of the fact on top of it that more people in droves are being brought into this, this needs to be a serious warning to quite a few within these, uh, well, I heard it referred to as churchianity at one point in time and Unfortunately, to a degree, you can put it there, but this goes into a place that's far worse. 
and there's many that especially have grown up in the generations that we have, even since 1984 is when they really started ramping things up full force, that this is all they know. So they don't exactly, to a degree, know anybody. But at the same time here, folks, for those of you that are caught up in these uh, these places, you know, there's levels of personal responsibility here at the same time. And if you're not in here studying your Bible, these people are going to be able to pull the wool over your eyes. And they are doing exactly that. And as a matter of fact, this very chapter in Isaiah 29 points out the fact of being blinded. Well, it's the Lord that does this to these people. Folks, and I have fought tooth and nail nonstop over the years when I saved and I walked into this nightmare and took a look around and said what in the world here is going on because this is not these things that are taking place are not Christian you know and my chief concern once again like I said I want as many people to get pulled out of this to be snatched from the fire and if you're not aware of these varied different movements that are happening today within the uh the churches throughout the West, but the unfortunate bit is, is this has gone far further than that. This spread like wildfire through many places throughout the world with one specific moment. But that last time it happened, it happened the first time as well. And this has actually been going on for quite some time. It's just amplified itself now. I'm going to have to point out some certain odds and ends. I'm going to have to mention certain names in the midst of this because there's not really any way of escaping that. Because, folks, you need to understand where the roots of this thing comes from, and you need to understand that the roots of this goes back to where everything else seems to keep going back to the 1890s, specifically the very last years within the 1890s. And we should have expected that, knowing full well more warned about this generation shall not pass until all these things take place. Well, we can either go with lifespan, which 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, or we can go with God's word, what he says concerning this generation, which we get the key to that in Genesis 6. You know, they uh, many talk about the days of Noah. Well, if you taking that seriously and literally for what the Bible says, you should have known that your marker for that generation was there. This has been a long time in the making. It's been a long time in coming forward. God said these things were going to happen, though, folks. And I want everybody that is caught within this, those that are willing to listen, are willing to wake up and look around and say, wait a minute. You need to get out of these messes, folks. These people will not take correction. These leaders will not take correction. They are after power. They are after money. And it goes far deeper than that. But with that said, I'm going to turn this back over to Matthew. All right, Brian. You know, ladies and gentlemen, let's just... uh... Let's just do this right. I'm going to point out the stanza that this is included in, and you're going to – it's going to scream in your ears. It, 
is verses 9 through 12 that this particular scripture is contained in, this Hebrew terminology of a sealed scroll. There's just no covering it up, ladies and gentlemen. So I'll read this first, and then I will read the entire chapter so we can grasp its context. Verse 9, stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, he hath covered. And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not learned. Now, you will take note the opening diatribe that I read from the book of Revelation. John started weeping, and I'll tell you why. John was weeping because he knew exactly what Isaiah chapter 29, verses 9 through 12 said. This is why this great angel steps in and tells John, Now wait a minute, this has got something else to do with something you did not recognize, John, something you didn't understand. It is not whether you are learned or not. It's whether you are worthy. That is the cinch in this knot. Now, take note that here, what we got in the King James Version as learned, was H3045 Yoda. doesn't mean learned. It means to know. That's what it literally means in the Hebrew tongue. Whether they know. So take note. There were people who know what this scroll says. It even says that here, it infers that there would be those, by contrast, that would not know, H3045, what the scroll said. You'll take note that Revelation chapter 5 went way out of its way to tell you that they would not even be able to look at it. But John must have been very happy when he found out that, oh, it doesn't matter the one who is learned or not. That wasn't the rhyme to this riddle. 
It was whether you were worthy or not. But you'll take note. This being tied up with seven seals, signifying that it has been sealed by the sevenfold Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, now you're able to understand that particularly those who preach against the Holy Spirit, that's why they never had an inkling to even attempt to edify Christ's bride with this message here in Isaiah. With that being said, let's take it from the top, and I assure you that you need to pay very, very close attention. And you not only need to read this and study it, but I strongly suggest that when you're out and about, perhaps on your way to work or to the grocery store to run errands, I strongly suggest that you play this, and by all means, in multiple English translations and listen to it as many times as you can in the time between now. And I don't know, oh, let's say uh, September 23rd. How about that? Isaiah chapter 29 from the top. But I think I'll pause before I let Brian um, give his thoughts on verses 9 through 12 before we read the whole thing in context. Brian, did you have anything you wanted to add or comment on about that? Let's see here. One moment. I'm getting some odds and ends back uh, ready. Anything I want to comment on? We're going here. Um, let's not do this now. Let everybody go ahead and read everything. All right. Very good. Very good. That's, uh... That is well with my soul, saith the hymn. Should I give dictation before? Not. Let's just read it in context and let's just... You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to believe what it says, you just have to accept what he says. Remember. Remember that. Woe to Ariel, to Ariel the city where David dwelt. Add ye year to year. Let them kill sacrifices. Yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be heaviness and sorrow, and it shall be unto me as Ariel. And I will camp against thee roundabout, and I will lay siege against thee with mount, and I will raise forts against thee, and thou shalt be brought down. And shalt speak out of the ground, and thy speech shall be low out of the dust, and thy voice shall be as one that hath a familiar spirit out of the ground, and thy speech shall whisper out of the dust. Moreover, 
the multitude of thy strangers shall be like small dust. The multitude of the terrible ones shall be as chaff that passeth away. Yea, it shall be at an instant suddenly. Thou shalt be visited of the Lord of hosts, thunder and earthquake and great noise and with storm and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. And the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, even all that fight against her and her munition, and that distress her, shall be as a dream of a night vision. It shall even be as when an hungry man dreameth, and behold, he eateth, but awaketh, and his soul is empty. Or as when... A thirsty man dreameth, and behold, he drinketh, but he awaketh, and behold, he is faint, and his soul hath appetite. So shall the multitude of the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Stay yourselves, and wonder, cry ye out, and cry they are drunken, not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes, the prophets, and your rulers, the seers, he hath covered. And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Early this I pray thee, and he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not learned. Wherefore, the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me, is taught by precept men. Therefore, behold, proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Own to them that seek deep, to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, Who seeth us? And who knoweth us? Surely your turnings of things upside down shall be esteemed as a potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it? He made me not. Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it? He hath no understanding. It is yet a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a beautiful field. And the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest. And in that day shall the deaf hear words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek 
shall also increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed. And all that watch for iniquity are cut off, that make a man an offender for a word and lay snare for him that reproveth in the gate, and turn aside to just for a thing of naught. Therefore thus saith the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now pale, but when he seeth his children, the work of mine hands, in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name, and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and shall fear the God of Israel. They also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding, and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. Oh my goodness. This is edification incarnate right here, is what this is. It is amazing to me that when you read it and understand what it's talking about, well, of course it's talking about the tribulation trigger here. It's talking about the event where God himself does a terrestrial incursion. Now, all of you have been taught the next one to perform such an act is, is going to be Jesus. And they also think he's going to do it partially. He's only going to come down as far as the clouds. No. You're just told point-blank range of the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. Isaiah chapter 24. And of course, the ensuing commentary on that chapter, the sixth seal event. God just told us all about it. But if you didn't know that's what this chapter was about, you would not have your bearings in eschatology. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you should be able to go up to your shepherd or eschatological expert or teacher. You should be able to ask them about any chapter in the Bible, and they should be able to explain to you what it says. Now, it amazes me that most of the time they hate the Lord their God so deeply. You should understand right now that there are many churches that preach that the one mentioned in this very important passage of Isaiah chapter nine, verses or twenty nine verses nine through twelve. They lie because they hate God, and they say that's actually talking about Muhammad. No, that's a lie. And out of the very same mouths, they teach God's children that the next. Sol- <laughs> The next terrestrial incursion is to be performed by Jesus, only he's not coming back all the way, just partial. No, ladies and gentlemen, you know, they're also the same very ones that 
have you convinced that it's well let's talk about this because they do it they have everyone convinced that it's not the meek that's going to inherit the earth you know It's not the poor among men that's going to rejoice. The ones that who stand up and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand at the gate, they make them offenders. And they lay a snare for those that try to reprove at the gate. Ah, yes, they do. Now, have you convinced it's a once-saved, always-sin, party-on attitude? Well, just like the sixth seal event basically uh, states, and Isaiah chapter 24 plainly states, that lottie dottie everybody, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 22, oh... Everybody is going to come to an understanding and a reckoning about what the intentions are of he who sitteth upon the throne. They're all going to figure it out. Ah, oh, yes. I wonder how many of you realized how many different chapters this is quoted in. You don't remember the eyes that are blind shall see and the deaf shall hear? I mean, don't you realize, ladies and gentlemen, this is all over what Jesus said to Matthew 11, Mark chapter 7? Uh, Brian? It's your turn. Why don't you pinch hint for me for a while? Amen? Amen. And we're going to be moving into some deep stuff, folks. Because in order to address just a tiny portion of this, we need to get some context. Uh, everybody take note of what is going on here with... Uh, Verse 4 in Isaiah 29. This is sort of the key to grasping what is happening here. Then you will be brought low from the earth. You will speak from the dust where you are prostrate. Your words will come. Your voice will be like that of a spirit from the ground. And your speech will whisper from the dust. Now this is the NASB translation. The King James makes it a lot clearer and a few other of these translations. It brings up familiar spirit, but folks, there's a little bit more to this. Um, if you look at this definition here, which is H178, there's an interesting way that they put this in the uh, Brown's Driver Briggs definition. For uh, the first 
definition is water skin bottle. And I would remember that. The second they bring up is a necromancer or one who evokes the dead. Then they have a ghost spirit of a dead one. A practice of necromancy. One that has a familiar spirit. And of course we have this coming up in quite a few important places. So folks, I would advise running that Hebrew word through the search engine of whichever program you want to use or if you're doing it by hand, etc. Concordance will probably help you, but this is uh, pretty important, this little detail being pointed out here. But there's more to this because something else that's here. In the next... uh, line here and your speech will whisper from the dust now why is that word whisper used you see this uh, this word uh, they give a little bit of a tinier definition here to chirp peep of birds of ghosts well it goes a little deeper than that folks You can bring in how a medium works, a diviner, sort of a, well, that dangerous realm. And maybe with those things in mind, I can go a little further with this. Because in order to get to that next set of verses, folks, you need to understand where this whole thing came from. Now, I already did a blog up on this very topic because quite actually it's sort of important because a lot of other prophetic scriptures concerning the uh, time that we're in will suddenly become amplified. And I know there's some of you out there that are probably going to be upset by this or who have seen this, but I named this, this for a, this blog, what I did for a purpose Name this one Trump worship. Norman Peel's The Power of Positive Thinking's Dark Roots. And got a few links in here I would highly advise clicking on because I'll be pulling at least a couple of little tidbits from here. Everybody, you need to understand that uh, in this regard, you can pull up some of these videos that I linked in down here that he names him as being the forefather who he studied under within the church. And you'll hear it right away in this uh, one on Donald Trump on God and forgiveness. And folks, you need to listen to what he says in here because good grief. Nonetheless, we have the next one in there about the five-minute mark. This is from the infamous, uh, well, we've spoken at length about the fellowship and the family, the ones behind the prayer breakfast. Well, he speaks about people giving him words of worship at the five-minute mark. And this uh, this specific uh, person he follows after is part of this, uh, you know, this Norman Peel's The Power of Positive Thinking is part of this entire new thought movement. But this new thought movement gets so much deeper. Now, if we go over and we look at one of these links that I put in there, you're going to start getting some more details about this. But actually, 
actually, before I bring that up, for any of those that are interested in understanding what is going on here and we're the root of these uh, this metaphysical occult doctrine filtered its way in from, I'd advise reading this book. And it's uh, by Mr. McConnell, D.R., A Different Gospel. It goes into great lengths of explaining, well, things I already knew, to be quite honest, just from being caught in the middle of this. You know, let me give a little background here, folks. I mentioned this on air a couple weeks back, but I think a little bit of background into my life might amplify this a little bit more so everybody can understand how it is that I recognized everything that I was seeing. When I was about 19, when I came out of the military, I had met my ex-wife. My ex-wife had come out of a satanic coven. She was basically being chased down by these people. Essentially speaking, through her, I was pulled into the occult at lightning speed and of course this went down many dark dark paths there will be aspects of that I'm going to have to explain more in depth because there's some topics we're going to have to discuss here in the future there are things going on in this nation people that you need to know about I'll just give a brief little summary of that quickly we've got about 100,000 children disappearing per day and these things are not being reported at all to the public they're being brushed under the rug by police departments by the FBI and this goes deep if you want to understand this I would highly advise looking into the Franklin cover up this topic is majorly important and there's a reason I know so much about this due to the fact of what my ex-wife warned me about back in 1991 and this was before any of this started coming back to light started coming to light. One thing she told me right off the bat was, you have no comprehension of how high this thing goes. They're embedded deeply within the government, all the way to the top, senators, congressmen, etc., etc. They've infiltrated the churches, child care, dental places, doctors. This list was extensive. Bankers, all sorts of things. Lo and behold, as the years went by, because, of course, at that point in time, I'm scratching my head not knowing what to think. But one after another, after another, after another, these things actually started coming to light that, indeed, everything my ex-wife had told me was true. And that is the reality of this because in essence this even ties into this little root in and of itself because these people that I was dealing with at these uh, oh boy how do I say this lightly folks I don't like calling them churches that's not what they are it's not what they are at all and these people that were tied in with this very satanic group that she had come from, well, they started to show up on a continual basis everywhere I turned. They didn't like it because I could recognize who they were immediately. And due to that fact, they went out of their way to stir up quite a bit of trouble around me locally. And it's still a nonstop barrage. It is what it is. But, you see, I don't just kind of roll over. I fight the good fight, and I do what must be done. 
And I want people that are caught up in this that don't know any better to be brought out of this completely. But if you don't understand what's going on here, I don't know how it is that I'm going to be able to help. But the only course of action I can see for some of these people is they're going to have to full-blown repent. Because many of these that I have seen, they've chosen to go along this path. Personally, I've witnessed things where some of these people have went too far. This is a dangerous, dangerous road these people are walking. And to get to the root of this now, what it is that how this whole movement got into the church. Well, this starts out. And they try to play it off here in your little simple article, which is a little bit on the uh, form of how the uh, British people would call it. It's rubbish. But you'll find out that this guy goes by the name of E.W. Kenyon. And he was rolling around from 1867 through 1948. It was in the late 1800s that he really began to filter this movement, this new thought movement which has its roots well they try to call this Christian science which is I mean let it be what it is I guess they call it this and as they point out here though they use the terminology metaphysical family well that right there is sort of um, sort of a very huge key you know and they have this group that was developed here in the 19th century by Mary Baker at It goes on and on and on to explain more details about this. Again, folks, please use your search engines, whatever it is, and look into this stuff. It doesn't do me any good to um, bring these things forward when nobody takes the time to look at it. And I mean, what do we, how do we describe metaphysical? Well, folks, come on. I mean, here, they, uh, let's give this little, oh, isn't this nice? Several periods of Protestant Christian revival nurtured a proliferation of new religious movements in the United States. The latter half of the 19th century, these included what came to be known as a metaphysical family. Groups such as Christian Science, Divine Science, the Unity School of Christianity, and later the United Church of Religious Science. From the 1890s, the liberal section of the new movement became known as New Thought, in part to distinguish it from a more authoritarian Christian science. The term metaphysical referred to the movement's philosophical idealism, a belief in the primacy of the mental world. Adherents believed that the material phenomenon were the result of mental states. View expressed as life is consciousness and God is mind, The supreme cause was referred to as divine mind, truth, God, love, of life, spirit, principle, of father, mother, reflecting elements of Plato, Hinduism, Berkeley, Hegel, Swedenborg, and transcendentalism. This sort of goes on and on and on explaining that little detail, but I think, you know, we've got some details here that end up you end up pulling yourself around to finding out that on top of it, well, if you need to want to understand the roots of this, there's a figure known as Phineas Quimby. He was living from February of 1802 until January of 1866. 
what he teaches is, well, he was a philosopher, magnetizer, mesmerist, healer, and inventor who resided in Belfast, Maine, and had an office in Portland, Maine. Quimby's work is widely recognized as leading to New Thought movement. <clears throat> you know, what is, this, uh, what is this term here for mesmerist? Magnetizer. Hmm. Because we're starting to look at things again here from that verse that I just brought in those definitions from, folks. A magnetizer and mesmerizer has been applied to people who study and practice animal magnetism. These terms have been distinguished from mesmerists and magnetists, which are regarded as denoting those who study animal magnetism without being practitioners, and from a hypnotist, somebody who practices hypnosis. The magnetizer and hypnotist is the first use animal magnetism and the second hypnosis. The etymology of the word magnetizer comes from the French magnetuser, practicing the methods of mesmerism, which in turn derived from the French verb magnetizer. The term refers to an individual who has the power to manipulate the magnetic fluid with effects upon other people present that were regarded as analogous to magnetic effects. The sense of this term is found, for example, in the expression of Anton Joseph Grossas, the magnetizer is the imam of vital energy. Mesmerism is a tendency among the British magnetizers to call their clinical techniques mesmerism. They wanted to distance themselves from the theoretical orientation of animal magnetism that was based on the concepts of magnetic fluid. At some time, some magnetizers attempted to channel what they thought was magnetic fluid. And sometimes they attempted this with, now everybody listen, with the laying on of hands. Reported effects included various feelings, intense heat, trembling, trances, and seizures. Many practitioners took a scientific approach, such as Joseph Phillips Francois de Lise, a French physician, anatomist, gynecologist, and physicist. One of his pupils was Theodore Ledger, who wrote, was the label mesmerism or was most improper, noting that by 1846, the term galvanism had been replaced by electricity. Ledger wrote that year. All right, folks. I'm going to stop just for just a second there. Start pulling up the videos of what's going on in these places for those of you that haven't been there. For those of you that have been, you've already seen it. Everything that was just described here is exactly what they're doing. Laying on of hands, heat, trembling, trances, seizures. Or how about when they throw out their hands and they're being, what looks like they're being electrocuted as they're standing there shaking around and then getting knocked to the ground and continue to do the same thing. 
just sort of uh, starting to hit home. I mean, I'll... Actually, I'll stop there and get Matthew's opinion on that. Maybe I should ask, uh, are any of these things that they're doing here, Matthew, do you know of any place in the Bible where it claims that these things are coming from God? Well, <clears throat> seems how God speaks out of both sides of his mouth. I'll give you two answers. Certainly not in the Hebrew and certainly not in the Greek. Nope. Sorry, scratch that. No, not ever. Um, <clears throat> let's just ask ourselves about credibility, shall we? What do you think uh, King Saul would have thought if, I don't know, Samuel started, I don't know, let's Let's just do the, the run-of-the-mill stuff. Barky, Brian. Let's just say that uh, Samuel went up to uh, King Saul, and uh, I don't know, he was uh, supposedly slain in the spirit. How about babbling? How do you think that would have went? No language, no logos, no option for interpretation, because it's quite simply does not exist in our tongue. How do you think that would have went over in the royal court? Now, ladies and gentlemen, really, we have all kinds of historical documentation that uh, Brian just shared with us, um, you can literally just get volumes of it from the 1800s. And this has got nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think would have happened if Samuel had entered the royal court and he started acting like, well, he was drunk. And what do you think King Saul would have said if, uh, when asked about it? He said, oh, I'm drunk in the spirit. Yeah, I'm dizzy. I'm falling out, laughing uncontrollably. Well, that kind of actually describes what the prophets of Baal was doing on a different day. Under a different anointing. But, ladies and gentlemen, um, if Samuel would have been in the royal court and he would have convulsed like someone had just punched him in the stomach, uh... I assure you that the royal guards would have taken somebody's head off. I mean, really, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care what they call it. They call this the crunches? Really? Really? Is that really what they call it? You're saying that the sevenfold spirit of God 
would provoke you to growl? Growl. No, really. No, really. And tell me, who would be qualified to interpret what you were growling about? I wonder what would happen if, I don't know. What would happen if when Gabriel showed up, Mary started laughing hysterically? I wonder what would have happened. I'm aware of what happened to Zacharias when he said some stupid things, but I assure you that if he would have started barking or growling, he'd have had a whole lot more to deal with than just being silenced until his son was born. I mean, consider this. Let us reason together. Do you know what that means? And either one will do, Hebrew or Greek. Do you know what that verse says in either of those? Because every single thing that Brian was describing about a mesmer, everything he was describing, of course, everything that... Modern-day psychologists ascribe to psychosis is the antipode of everything that is called reasonable. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, is it reasonable to you that if the Lord your God should perchance show up, that you should fall around, roll around in front of him and start laughing uncontrollably. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying you'd never do it again. And that's a fact. That's a fact. Daniel himself was lucky to survive the event and Take note of that, that he put himself down prostrate and he laid very still and covered his face. I assure you that laughter was the last thing on his mind. So, that's what you need to put this into the context, is whatever it is being manifested here. Is it reasonable? Does it bring edification? Or tell me, does it bring a personal gratification to whoever's doing it? What do you think would have happened to John, let's say, if he feigned to the angel sent by the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, uh, hey, I've just fainted in the spirit. I can't speak to you. I can't get up. You better believe the angel would have snatched him up by the hair of the head. Ladies and gentlemen, 
the Quakers were called Quakers and the Shakers were called Shakers because they were not reasonable. Especially when they were manifesting. They could not be reasoned with. That's the very first thing you need to realize. That any interjection of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, does both of two things. It brings understanding, and it brings wisdom. It, in no stretch of the imagination, brings unreasonability. It does not do that. It it amazes me when I look at some of these videos and they talk about the warrior anointing. I dare you to do that in front of the Exodus angel. I dare you. Oh, for Pete's sakes. I dare you to play that crap in front of Satan, see what he does. And you'll get a flat fire kick out of Michael. If you perform those gestures in front of Michael, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't have to worry about swinging your head because he'd do it for you. Don't, don't you realize that everything that we're talking about is extremely disrespectful because it is not reasonable? That being the case, it cannot be a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Because you're actually saying that the Holy Spirit does not bring a spirit of peace. Don't you realize that in order for anyone to be reasonable, they must first accomplish a singular task, and that's to be at peace. I mean, here, for example… Let's say you come here to my house, and let's say you smack my wife. Oh, fire will most certainly fall. It won't be from the Holy Spirit because, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to get me at my worst. I am human. I am not Christ. He is perfect. I am a slave to my emotions. I will sin in my anger. I assure you, and by God, you'd never do it again. Under no stretch of imagination, if this situation was to occur, I would have to seek repentance for having introduced the back of your throat to my fist. I would have to repent for having moving your teeth out of my way to accomplish that introduction. In no way would I ever say that was a manifestation of the Spirit. That's impossible because manifestation of the Spirit can only come when one is at complete and utter peace. It is only then that wisdom and understanding can be obtained whereby resulting in that knowledge, which is 
being presented to you. Don't you realize that? Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. If Mary had not been at peace, she would have got a very jumbled up message from that angel that came to her. She would have not now, – now listen very carefully. She would have not understood not only what he said, but she wouldn't have been able to have the wisdom to deduct what language he was speaking in. Ladies and gentlemen… Let us reason. The exact opposite of that is a state of ecstasy that psychologists have documented by another term. It's called hypnosis. Don't you realize that? If, you're, have, if you have been hypnotized, you cannot be reasonable as the scripture says you need to consider that everything I've just said now am I slamming all charismatics of course not quite a few of them are my friends and as a matter of fact quite a few of them all that they know about the scriptures I have personally taught them I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that if it is not reasonable, it is not a manifestation of the sevenfold spirit of the Lord, my God. It's something else. It is chaotic. It is disrespectful. Back to you, buddy. Well, I think that was quite important that you pointed out that last bit you know let us let us not even come to the conclusion that we are stating that the gifts of the spirit don't exist our point is here is within their proper context the bible goes to great lengths to explain all of these gifts how it is that they are to actually work and that is crucially important. All these things are explained in depth, folks. What is going on on this opposite side of the spectrum is they are taking out of context what these spiritual gifts are. And they've taken it into a whole darker realm. And you can tell on top of it, I've dealt with this many times here locally, and I know there's a lot of local listeners that are tuning in. And I'm hoping people are listening here to what I've got to say. But I brought up many of these things over and over and over again to bring correction into the situation. And I've gotten all kinds of very strange, strange, strange responses. But the one that really started getting under my skin the most were when people that were deeply caught in this last form of this movement that I was around 
is they started making the comments, well, that's religion, and we don't follow after religion. I'm like, uh, guys, really? So let me get this straight. You're telling me you don't have to follow after what the Bible says. Okay, if that's that's your vantage point, you're trying to tell me that not good. Because this is how they get away with it. They'll take one scripture, they'll twist it out of context. People don't even look. And they get away with it, or worse yet, they've just been subjected to this for so long that they no longer can see what's there. What they're telling you is we no longer need the Bible, we no longer need to follow it. And I'm sorry, folks, when you've gone to that extent, I hope and pray that you repent for these actions. Well, I'm, I'm You're sorry, not Brian, follow after that's, the Bible. that's not what Isaiah chapter 29, verse 24 says. It's not what it says. Look. We already read it out loud in session. You're hoping for them to repent. No, this is what it says. They also that erred in spirit shall come to us. And they that murmured shall learn doctrine. The only problem is, Bri, I'm, I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they learn it after erring in the... Brian, you'll take note, it didn't say they erred in the scripture. They erred in spirit. But they shall learn doctrine a day late and a dollar short. That's what he says. I'm not telling you what my opinion is, ladies and gentlemen. I know you all heard and appreciated what Brian just said, that they won't listen to it. They, they, they call that religion. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah chapter 24 or 29 and verse 24 is going to play out when Isaiah chapter 24 plays out. That's exactly what he says. All of a sudden, they all have a Selah moment, do they not? There's everybody forgotten. Exactly what the Lord your God tells you that they say. You you didn't realize why Isaiah chapter 29 was talking about things that were hidden and stuff? I mean, give me a break. Here, I'll tell you when it is that that's going to happen, okay? I'm going to tell you what they're going to say. No, really. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come. And who's able to stand? Like I said, they figure it out a day late and a dollar short. 
That's when they figured out, ladies and gentlemen. A day late and a dollar short. Well, let me interject. That's here. what. Go ahead. Because I'm going to kind of, you know, we do this back and forth, folks, privately. My chief concern here is, for instance, we've had these false revivals already starting to flare up here in the United States. There were just over 3,000 people that came to the Lord, and at the same time, they've got no conception of what they've walked into. Personally, myself, we know when the stop's going to be put to this. But folks, that's just it. That's just it. We are at that exodus moment in a billion different ways. Where God's people are crying out, these sick people that are doing this stuff, they need to be stopped. That's all there is to it. And they're going to be stopped, just like Matthew said. That's my interjection. Well, just so everybody knows, that, that verse I read from Revelation, be expecting that. See, that's the location of where they're performing, verses 15 and 16 in Isaiah chapter 29. You didn't know that? You didn't know that because you never understood what Isaiah chapter 29 was about, so I'll read it to you. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, who seeth us? And who knoweth us? Your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as a potter's clay. For shall the work say to him that made it? He made me not. Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it? He hath no understanding. Just so you know, ladies and gentlemen... Now you know what the dark is he's talking about here. Well, interject on top of it here, too. I mean, people don't understand scientific terms. When the moon is covered over, they use a certain term for that, folks. They call it occulted. That's the definition of occult. Well, Brian, that's just about time for a break. Amen? Oh, yeah. Amen. And let me tell you something. All right, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know about Tom, Dick, and Harry, and I really don't care. That's a fact. But as far as the end time tribune is concerned, we will serve the Lord. We will loudly proclaim, God, he reigns, baby. He reigns. And if you hadn't perceived it yet, we'd love to shine, baby. We absolutely love to shine.
You are listening to the End Time Tribune, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Gotta shine. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune, this special edition. 
about the sealed scroll that's contained in Isaiah chapter 29. Ladies and gentlemen, I want everybody to consider another event horizon for this type of stuff. You know, most people would call it conspiracy theory. But consider this, that, ladies and gentlemen, you can go right over to the CIA.gov website. There is so many things that has been made public. It's absolutely off the charts. Let me just read some of these documents here. Now, like I said… These are officially released CIA documents on the government website. MK Ultra Mind Control Experiments, Lawsuit Forces CIA Confession on MK Ultra, CIA Revelations, Behavioral Control. The applications of ultra-acoustic methods in the practice of psychochemical investigations. MK2 Secure Room. Scientific Abstract Kroken, MK Kokel from Yugoslavia. And ladies and gentlemen, I can just go over and over, but… Let me read one more because it will really get your attention. Slain church founder planned film on CIA drug experiments. Now, why is that document on the United States government website? Why is that? Does that bother you? Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a conspiracy I'm telling you about. I mean, I'm telling you what has been released officially by the United States government. This has been brought up already because we had a private discussion about this. Folks, I need to point this out to everybody quick. Okay, these groups that we're discussing here, they're taking the little children that are coming into these places. And they're immediately indoctrinating, brainwashing them into these things. And MKUltra actually um, goes hand-in-hand with all of this. Let's go back to my history a little bit here, folks. I brought up that my ex-wife was a Satanist. Well, she was involved with Temple of Set. The founder of Temple of Set is known as Mr. Michael Aquinos. Now, there's been a few folks out there in our circles that have started bringing this up, but I'm going to tell everybody right now, these people have no clue.
I dealt with people being sent after my ex-wife because she left. Dealt with them on a regular basis. Now, MKUltra, and you also find out that they've declassified Project Stargate, at least in part, were one and the same thing. And they are part of the PSYOPs program that is still used here in the United States, Psychological Operations. You can find declassified CIA documentation that goes along even with the documentary I had seen just the other night that brought up the use of the uh, psychological operations used by the CIA when they overthrew a uh, governing body in Guatemala. So this stuff is real, folks. Now, how did this MK Ultra come about? Well, for one, take note of the MK because it means mind control, but they used a K instead. They were letting you know in broad daylight that this was from Operation Paperclip, which has now been classified as well with all the Nazi scientists and varied Nazis they brought over here, so on and so forth. So once again, this is not conspiracy theory, folks. It has been declassified. MKUltra was the work of Joseph Mengele and Michael Aquinos. Now back in the late 80s, early 90s, the Presidio daycare scandal broke loose, which was basically daycares that were being run through military bases. And Mr. Kinos was implicated all the way across the board, and lo and behold, they found out that this was breaking loose everywhere in the United States, and what they were doing was subjecting these kids to satanic ritual abuse, uh, molesting them, beating them, subjecting them to all sorts of abuse. Now, I brought up something else as well earlier. It was called the Franklin cover-up. And this was actually exposed by a Republican senator who was right in the middle of the investigations and at first thought it was nonsense until more information began to come to light. And, of course, he went into a rage when he found out they were targeting children. And he wanted to expose it. He wanted to bring the entire thing down. And he talked to his friend who was in the CIA, and he said, look, you can't take these people down. You're going to end up dead in the way that you're trying to take them down. You need to write a book about this and get it to the press. They went on to go make a documentary that was to be released on the Discovery Channel about this Franklin cover-up. This Franklin cover-up went deep into all echelons in the government. The main guy, how it initially was broken open, was, well, he was one of the Republican National Convention's major speakers at the time that it broke loose. He's up there announcing everybody come forward, blah, blah, blah. You know, giving the old infamous, um, well, what they do in the neocon circles. Presenting himself as a Christian. What happened is this bank was nailed. There was a whole bunch of money that was disappearing, all kinds of strange things going on. But all of a sudden, all these children started coming forward, and these strange tales of satanic ritual abuse started coming into the forefront. As the senator kept investigating, more and more things kept turning up, and it just got worse by the minute. 
Now, you can look this up, folks, and you can actually get your hands on. It's been released on YouTube in several places, and there's actually an extended version you might want to get your hands on that has interviews with the senator who exposed this. There was a documentary made. It was to air on Discovery Channel. Threats were made by the government that they had to pull it. They've confirmed this by getting a hold of basically old local channel TV uh, guide that were out there that showed that this show was to be aired. They have the actual documentary in its raw form, and it shows everything that was filmed. On top of it, an FBI agent that was also investigating this came forward as well. Now, everybody ran around when this stupid Pizzagate scandal broke out here in this last election. How easily people can be misled is just blows my mind. Because for one, folks, they don't do this through walking into a pizza place and making an order. They never have. Okay, they've been taking these people and shipping them off through the CIA, selling them. What does it say about the harlot Babylon and them trafficking in human lives? Okay, that's what they're doing to these people, these kids. They're subjecting them to this abuse. They're giving them multiple personalities. We've had the infamous, they brought up the old Manchurian candidate. Once again, folks, it's not conspiracy anymore. Declassify. This stuff is happening. It is real. And when you have a senator and an FBI agent come forward and expose this, okay, you're no longer dealing with make-believe. That pizza gate was nothing but a distraction that led everybody in the wrong direction. And I saw a billion of these you know, folks out there that run in the uh, run around in these conspiracy circles and then do what they do, going on and on and on about this stuff when they had no idea of what they were talking about, not a single clue. And it was ridiculous. And then when this whole Pizzagate scandal broke out, you had people showing up there with guns and everything else. I mean, come on. If something's going to be exposed, it needs to be exposed properly. And like I said, we have law enforcement agents that are covering these things up. They're not being reported in FBI files. We've got literally 100,000 kids per day that are disappearing in the United States. And people don't find this as a problem? That's what they're doing to these children on top of it. Within these Places that are not churches. They're bringing them in at a very young age. They're indoctrinating them with this nonsense. They're growing up in this. They got caught up in this. They don't know anything else. And it's the same people that are behind MK Ultra. It's the exact same people. Folks, do you know how many of these people I saw coming into these Places that are not churches that were associated with Mr. Michael Aquino's, it was like a flood. They're around here locally nonstop, and they get ticked off because all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute, that guy knows who we are. Yeah. This is what's happening. I'm going to pause there because, look. I'm going to point this out real quick. You target those children. You have gone over the line.
Ladies and gentlemen, what are the biblical gifts? There's exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, teaching, administration, apostleship, discernment, faith, healings, helps, knowledge, languages, language interpretation, wisdom, evangelism. I didn't hear anything in there about barking. I didn't hear anything in there about anything at all associated with the psychological term known as hysterical. Everything listed here in the Bible, God's Holy Word, is reasonable. And they always facilitate a purpose, not for oneself, but for somebody else. 100% of the time. So, ladies and gentlemen, what began with mesmerization... In the psychology community, bled over into the government intelligence agencies. Ladies and gentlemen, if there's any manifestation which creates chaos, it is not of the sevenfold spirit of the Lord thy God. It's not. It's not. It cannot be. It cannot be from Christ. It can only be reasonably deducted to be coming from the spirit of Antichrist. As a matter of fact. Well, that's absolutely now, correct. They're following after a false gospel. Therefore, what are they following? And what are they longing for? That's the real question, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, yes. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy on earth as it is in heaven. Using that little bit of instruction from the king himself, let us consider this, ladies and gentlemen. I never heard about no cherubim rolling around in front of the throne. Never heard of that. Never seen anything in the Bible, God's holy word, about the 24 elders first prostrating themselves in front of the throne and then rolling around laughing. I, I never caught that one. 
Although I can reckon in my mind what the cherubim would have done if the 24 elders had ever done so. I am able to make that deduction with reasonable thought processes. It's reasonable. You'll take note that the Lord your God never tells you to hold hands. Did you know that? No, 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 no. If anyone is infirm or any other such like manner terms, the body is supposed to lay their hands upon them, not hold hands, certainly not in the dark, and not accompanied with candles. No, 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 no. You didn't know that? I mean, even the mighty cherubim go round about the throne of the living God. However, they do not hold hands when they do so. I hope you all realize that, because this exactly happened to me and my daughter. We walked into a church service. All the lights were turned out. They had put together five or six tables, and they were all in a circle in the dark with candles holding hands. And my daughter asked me, Daddy, what are they doing? I said, they're having a seance. And I've witnessed the same thing myself, too, folks. Well, Brian, how many people don't know that the Lord their God, he never tells them to hold hands. He tells them to lay hands on one that needs it. Yeah, and it states what? Call for the elders anoint with oil. And here lies the problem. Go ahead. They're doing something else completely entirely different. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're doing something different than that written, you're wrong. You can take that to the bank. You can take it to the bank because that's why you don't understand, nor did you ever understand, what Isaiah chapter 29 was talking about. That's why. Now, I understand some of you um, were brought up this way, as Brian mentioned. So, so, here, let me say that very personal to you. So what? I don't care what it is. That is your personal event horizon. I'm sure it's no worse off than Mary Magdalene herself. Okay? I don't care. Don't care. I am a Christian. Therefore, whatever your past was before your repentance and acceptance of the Messiah is of little value to me. I do not care. I don't care. So, Just so you know, if you're in this stuff, you need to get out of it. Because you need to take the warning you've been given in Isaiah chapter 29 
you have in fact erred in spirit, and you need to come to understanding and learn doctrine before he who sitteth upon the throne has had enough of your rebellion. Okay? That's why these things were written. This is why you think that being drunk in the spirit is something good when that's exactly contrary as to what God said when he did say this. Say to yourselves and wonder, cry ye out, and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger around, but not with strong drink. I mean, do you not realize it says that for the Lord, he's the one that poured upon you this spirit of deep sleep and closed your eyes and covered you. Do you know what that word means in Hebrew there? That exact spelling, cover? I bet you don't know, do you? I bet you don't know exactly where that form of that word is used in the Scripture. I know. I know because something happened to Pharaoh when he was covered up. Ah, oh, yes, I know. I know exactly what it means. But ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize that this is where Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and the same verses, by the way, so God makes it pretty easy for you, because in that chapter it's verses 9 through 12 again. But this is where the threat is uh, – what's the phrase you would understand? Ah, yes. Made manifest. I'll read it for you. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, starting with verse 9 unto verse 12. That is, one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who do not believe the truth. But took pleasure in wickedness. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. This is just a commentary on verses 9 through 12 of Isaiah chapter 29. Has anybody here read Romans chapter 11? Because this is quoted there. I'll read it. Romans chapter 11... Uh, Verse 8, just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see, not, and ears to hear, not, down to this very day. That's why David's brought up in the very next, next verse now that I think about it. Maybe I should go ahead and read that next verse there. And David saith, let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling book, and a recompense upon them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, 
but down their back always. I say then, they stumbled that should fall. God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is to come to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. You didn't know that that was all there in Romans chapter 11 because of Isaiah chapter 29? You never heard that before? You never heard that before. Really? What have you been being taught anyway? That'd be my question. Brian, we're down to the last three minutes, so let's top this episode off. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't worry. There's going to be a part two all about all the technical, temporal details mentioned in the other chapter. There's a sealed scroll. Brian? Well, we've got on my account about four minutes plus a little bit of overdrive. I do need to explain these things fast, folks, so everybody can understand how we got here. I mean, the Lord went out of his way in Isaiah 29. He pointed out some things we started with here. One of those definitions is necromancer. Folks, do a search on some of these infamous uh, fake... uh, faith healer movements and put in necromancy because you'll find it all over the place. Uh, They're all doing it. I could keep listing name after name after name after name after name if I wanted to, but I don't have time for that rubbish. But it brought up another thing here on top of familiar spirits, you know, and what is a familiar spirit? Well, here's a simple explanation. European folklore belief etc., etc. Familiar spirits or familiars or animal guides believed to be supernatural entities that would assist witch or cunning folk in the practice of magic. Numerous guises, animals, blah, blah, blah. Ghosts. I like how they bring up one thing here, though. The former were often categorized as demon, while the latter were most commonly thought of described as fairies. I want to stop and point out fairies real fast, folks. If you think a fairy is a little tiny thing floating around with funny wings, I would highly advise you look into the ancient Celtic folklore about what the Fae and the Tuatha de Danon were. They were not little things flying around looking like bugs with wings. That's reality. And if you don't believe me, like I said, look up the Tuatha de Danon. Look up those stories in Celtic folklore. You did not want to mess with those things. But we have further on in this definition down here. It's very important what they stated. The Golday, Nane people in Siberia clearly distinguish between the two territory spirit, Ayamite, which chooses the shaman and the helping spirits, Ven, which are subordinate to it and are granted to the shaman by the Ayami itself, according to Strenberg and the Golde, explain the relations between the shaman and the Ayami by a complex sexual emotion. Here is the report of the Golde shaman. 
I'm not going to read into that, folks. I've warned time and time again, and Matthew and I had a serious discussion about this. We weren't so certain we wanted to talk about it then, but it's time to talk about it now. Now, I appreciate how one person attempted to name this the Kundalini spirit, but he should have taken a step further because you need to understand where the root of this came from. We in the Wings of the North had spoken about what's going on with the Burdiat shamans, the Siberian shaman, but you need to take it a step further because you need to look into the Tibetans because they're the full force taking it all the way forward because when they got involved with Chinggis Khan, they called for the eradication of those Buryats, of those shamans that were associated with Khan. When Chinggis Khan went into battle, not only were you dealing with one of the most ferocious military forces on the face of the planet, those shamans were calling up these wicked, unclean spirits to assist them in battle. Now, why is that important? Reconsider what it states about the event horizon with these people. Not only that, folks, we also have them tied deeply into the Crusaders. And everybody gets upset when I call them Crusaders, but didn't everybody notice years back when certain infamous people started saying, they started calling it their, uh, you know, their revivals and all that crusades nobody thought to question that this is one and the same thing folks there's a reason why it states what they're going to do where they're going to do it you don't think that we should have paid attention to these details with Chinggis Khan when you realize that his hordes as they came in and took these places you didn't know that they were also doing this Let me explain something to you folks about what they refer to as shaman sickness. It's no different than what these groups are doing. Not even remotely different. It's the exact same thing. Let's take this a step further. Because we can go through all those details of how it got to where it got and so forth. But just go over to my blog and read it for yourself. Bring up the little... uh, page that will take you over to it's called the powers behind the alpha course just go in and read it yourself i don't need to go into this you need to understand this folks i brought up those infamous figures that were behind the uh mk ultra you need to wrap your mind around the fact that in these places i've been in they're doing all the same things all of the same things Including astral projection. Yes, they're doing astral projection, folks. You can watch them sitting around there. They think they're filming angels. And they see all these little tiny orbs going across. Folks, wake up. That's not angels. And yet they are caught up in the midst of angel worship. They are obsessed with a false form of spiritual warfare. Because it does not even come close to the reality of what it states in the Bible. How many of these groups has everybody seen? uh, Okay, for instance, everybody got probably a little bit upset when I pointed out where uh, the new commander-in-chief had spoken at. And that guy said, yay, I got a gun in my back pocket here, folks. You all need to get these. 
so we can shoot these people, these Muslims, before they even commit a crime. Uh, what? But take note on top of it, you'll watch, because you can find this on the social networks. I've seen it nonstop for years. They'll think they found some terror organization, and they'll say, kill them, Lord. Okay. They try to pull the same thing on the occultists. Kill all of them. I'm going to make a real clear differentiation here, folks. Now, if I meet somebody that is an occultist that is not masquerading, pretending to be a Christian, I have no problem with them. None whatsoever. Where it crosses the line is when they start putting that that title upon themselves and calling themselves Christians. As is pointed out, they are following after a false gospel. And if they're following after a false gospel, that therefore means what? They're following after a different Christ. And the Bible is very, very crystal clear about the spirit of Antichrist, which goes out. The end times is not the plot from the movie Omen, or Paradise Lost, or Dante's Inferno. But they always have to have an enemy. Everybody, in their minds, they always have an enemy. The United States has been through this so many times in the past, and they threw it so deeply into the neocon movement, it's ridiculous. First it was the Russians. Then they came along, and who else did they target? This list goes on forever, but now, once again, their target is the Muslims, the Islamic people. But look, folks, you need to get this through your mind. Look up how much anti-Semitism is flared up in the United States and in these other European Western nations and other parts of the world because it's actually going through the roof. That's going to be important when we get to the next portion in this teaching because there are things going on in Israel right now, folks, that are going to scare the living daylights out of you as they should. That's my piece for the time being. With that said, God bless let you get back in here, Matthew, for the closing thoughts. Well, that's a good way to put it, ladies and gentlemen. You need to have closing reasonable thoughts about such things. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.